Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 8.15, 9.45, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. Join me. <clears throat> I just chewed my mint. <clears throat> oh, stupid. <laughs> All right. It'll, it's one of those real, you know, wintergreen jobs. Mm. Turn with me to John. I think I'm good. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We are uh, at the midway point of the gospel of John. Did you know that we're at the midway point of the year? This is like hump day for 2018. July 1, right? You know, we've gotten through six months, and now it's time to start heading to Christmas, right? July 1. <laughs> Where? Wait, what? All right, John 11, and I've made the commitment as I'm preaching through this year uh, in the Gospel of John, not just to, uh, to preach about these texts, but to, to, to read them. So that we spend time not just hearing me, but hearing the Word of God, capital W, Word of God. And so, uh, and some sections of Scripture really naturally kind of break down into 10, 11 verses. But these last few weeks, really the whole chapter, chapter 9, chapter 10, now chapter 11, it's really, it's impossible to break it apart. It's one account, one story, one narrative. And so I'm going to read it for you, all right? So settle in, uh, follow along, uh, open your heart to what God would have to say. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. By the way, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus was sick, is the same one who poured perfume on the Lord, wiped her feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then his disciples said, Let's go back. Then two of his disciples said, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus said, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus, has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. Oh, his disciples said, Lord, that's a great thing. If he's asleep, he's going to get better. Now, Jesus was speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Let us go now to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, I would add also known now as unfairly doubting Thomas, said to the rest of his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. 
on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was on his way, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, oh, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister. Mary, the teacher is here, she said. He's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly, went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, was still out where Martha had seen him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her thinking she was going to the tomb to mourn there. But when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the, the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Now, it was a cave. There was a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Oh, but Lord, Martha said, uh, by this time there's going to be a bad odor. He's been in there four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they rolled away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him, take off those grave clothes, and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some went away to the Pharisees, told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the the Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple as well as our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know, you know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better that for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. (laughs) 
You know, he didn't say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he was prophesying that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, for the nation, but also for the scattered children of God. To bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. And it was almost time for the Passover. Many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. And and as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. Wow, what a, what a great passage of Scripture. What an amazing account of, of Lazarus and how Jesus declares that he is the resurrection and the life. And we get to this point in John and we've already made our way through these seven now signs. John calls these miracles, very significant miracles, signs that point to who Jesus is. The sign of of turning water into wine and cleansing the temple and healing the nobleman's son, healing the lame man, feeding the 5,000 plus, healing Peniel, the blind man, as we saw a few weeks ago. We don't know that that's his name, but a name that I've used these last few weeks. And then we get to chapter 11, and it's the culmination of these signs that Jesus has performed, raising Lazarus from, from being four days dead. We also, I just want to lay this kind of this grid over John to show you that we also see these very clear I am statements in John, where Jesus seven times now is saying, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life is what he says here in chapter 11. There's two more. One in chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then in chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. But I just want us to see that as we're now coming to the place of of the account of Jesus going into Jerusalem to ultimately be crucified at the Passover festival, John is kind of wrapping up these these sign statements and these I am statements. And now Jesus is going to to Bethany. Now, we see in verse 1 of chapter 11, a man named Lazarus was sick. He's from Bethany, uh, the village of Mary and Martha. And I realized it has been a long time since I have shown you a map. So it's, it's time for me to... To show you this, I, I'm very visual, and, and I want you to see exactly where Bethany was. It's, it's really cool. This is a modern day. I just took a screenshot of, uh, of Google Maps. You've got Jerusalem right here, modern day Jerusalem. And right here, you've got this area that I want to highlight that's called the Old City. The Old City. And literally, I, if you drive around Jerusalem, modern Jerusalem, in fact, I took a picture a couple year, few years ago. I was in Jerusalem, right here on Route 60, driving north, right along the Old City. And this is exactly how it looks. 
All right, you've got modern Israel, modern Jerusalem, stoplights and beautiful office buildings. It's really cool, some palm trees. And then right beside you is what? The wall, the old city that, uh, you know, that, that was there at the time of, of Christ. And just to show you this old city and, and, uh, of Jerusalem. Now, right outside the eastern wall, you've got, you see this green space? Well, that is... Uh, well, the Temple Mount, I'll point that out to you. Right up here is where now that there, there's a mosque up there, and, and uh, it's called, there's another building called the Dome of the Rock. It's a large space, hundreds of yards um, in either direction, called the Temple Mount. Just outside the Temple Mount, this green space, is the Kidron Valley. Then it rises up. You see Gethsemane there. That's on the slopes of, of just an uprise called the Mount of Olives. And I want to take us out here just along Route 417 to this place called Al-Izaria. Al-Izaria. And Al-Izaria in Arabic literally means the place of Lazarus. So on a modern day map, Al-Izaria, it's it's Bethany. It's where Lazarus was from. And I, I took a picture standing right here at the Temple Mount facing out, right along, you can see this, this road right here, leading down past Gethsemane, is called Good Friday, uh, I'm sorry, Palm Sunday, I'm sorry, Palm Sunday Road. I took a picture right alongside, looking up Palm Sunday Road to the point uh, of, of the Mount of Olives, and just on the other side of that ridge, is Bethany. So here's Palm Sunday Road, here's the ridge line of, of um, the Mount of Olives, and literally less than two miles from where I'm standing. I mean, it's, that's like from here to the Applebee's south on Wayne, or to the Sheets out on the other side of 81 on, on 30 East. It's not far at all from, from the Temple Mount, just up over the ridgeline of the Mount of Olives, and you drop right down into Al-Izaria, or Bethany. So that's where he was. Lazarus was sick. From Bethany, the village where Martha and Mary are from. Parenthetically, this is, uh, this is Mary, whose brother Lazarus was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord. It's interesting because that doesn't happen until next week. That's in John chapter 12. So John has already indicated, foreshadowing here in chapter 11, who this very same Mary is. But we know this Mary back from Luke chapter 10. The first time Jesus met them was when he was passing through Bethany and Martha took the initiative to open up her home to Jesus. She had the gift of hospitality and uh, she had a sister Mary who, Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet, right? Listening to what he said. Martha, you know the story, don't you? Very distracted, very busy. She finally boils over and says, Lord, tell my sister to help me. She's just sitting there. And Jesus then said, no, Mary's chosen the better thing. She is is listening to my words and slowing down. But uh, what we see in in these accounts really are the personalities of Mary and Martha. Martha, busy, active, outgoing, invitational. Mary, more quiet, more thoughtful, more introverted really. But what I want us to see in, in all of this is how much Jesus loved these people. That's a big deal. 
Let's just pause to realize Jesus loved these people. We see it in verse 3, right? The sisters sent word, Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And down in verse 35, Jesus, shortest verse in the Bible, right? Jesus wept. I actually wrote a song once back in my youth ministry days. I'll teach it to you. You ready? John 11.35, Jesus wept. John 11.35, Jesus wept. John 11.35, when Lazarus died. John 11.35, Jesus wept. Pretty cool song. I actually wrote that. I, I did. And I just taught you a Bible verse. See? Bam. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Why did Jesus weep? Well, the context tells us it was out of his great... He, he loved these, these people, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Just let that sink in. Oh, how he loves you and me, the old song says. Jesus loved them. And, and we see in verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus. This really struck me. What did they say? Jesus, the one you love is sick. You know what that is? That's a prayer meeting. Tomorrow morning, our staff is going to gather, and we're going to pray over all of the Let's Connect cards that get turned in today with your prayer requests. And you know what we're going to do tomorrow morning? We're going to say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one you love is struggling. Lord, the one you love is, is working through relational issues. Lord, the one you love, you see what I'm saying? This is like a prayer meeting. And, and they're pointing out to Jesus. They're not telling him what to do, but they are reminding him, Lord, the one you love is sick. And what we see here in the remainder of this chapter, there are a thousand ways to preach John 11. In fact, the very first sermon I ever preached was in seminary, and I preached this chapter for a grade. I'm not going to tell you what I got, but... Um, there's a lot of different ways to approach, but as I, as I prepared this more for this morning, these three phrases stuck out to me. First of all, so when, so when. Second of all, even now. And thirdly, so that. Write those down. These are, the, these are really, this is my outline for the morning. So when, we see this up in verses 4, 5, and 6. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Wait, what? So when? When he heard this, you would think he would immediately get up and, and, and go to where Lazarus was so that, so that he could speak life into him. No. So when he heard this, he waited. Something we can hear in all of this. You see, sometimes our good shepherd walks us through the valley. You see, Jesus has a reason for the struggles that we go through. And sometimes he waits. I love this quote out of a, from a man that as I studied for this week by Ernst Heinchen. He said, if one may generalize about what is being said of the anguish of Martha and Mary, Luke and, and Lazarus, 
one may say that a mystery is revealed that John knows something about. God does not spare those he loves from life's difficulties. That's what we see, I really think, in in this so when. It's all about God's timing. The Lord doesn't always arrive right when we want Him to, but when He does, He's always right on time. So when. You see, on His arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been dead already in the tomb for four days. That's a significant factor. He waited intentionally so that, John, uh, so that Lazarus would have been dead four days. Why four days? You know, we don't know for sure, but as you dig into the culture of the Jews in this time, it was widely believed that a person's spirit would linger around the dead body for three days. Just linger. And then on the fourth day, their spirit would depart and, and, and be gone. And I think that's probably at play here. Jesus wanted there to be no doubt that Lazarus was completely dead. So, so when? And yet often, what do we cry out? God, but when? When, God? When are you going to move? When are you? We hate to wait. But when? And that's where I think about the words of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding of how things ought to be. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. But when, Lord? But when? And the second phrase, even now. We get this out of verses 20, 21, and 22. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, finally, she went out to meet Him, but but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I mean, that's great faith, right? She knew that Jesus could have healed him, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. But I know that even now, that that is what I would call even now faith. It's faith that believes that, that God is more than able at any point to do whatever He wants to do, you know. As I was preparing this last week for this message, I, I ran across, I was in my iTunes, and I ran across a, a, an audio file of my father. My dad was a pastor, pastor for his whole life, 60 years. He died at the age of, of 86, uh, five years ago. And I ran across someone in his later years, I don't even know who and how I got it, but someone sat my dad down and had him tell some stories. And I ran across these audio files, and one of them, just a little two-minute clip of my dad telling a story of, a, of something that happened early in his ministry life. He was going to seminary in Chicago, a place called Northern, Northern Baptist Seminary. But he was ministering on the weekends up in Milwaukee. He was in his 20s, and dad told this story of when he went um, from Northern up to Milwaukee for the weekend. And uh, just listen in my dad's own words. I got back after being at Northern and found out that one of the older members up in his 70s 
was in the hospital. So I asked two of my deacons to go with me and we went over to see this gentleman whose name was Mr. Fain, F-E-Y-N-E, Fain. Well, he was in a coma. And uh, we went in and, and uh, we weren't able to talk to him because he was in a coma. But before we left, I read the 23rd Psalm and we laid hands on him and prayed for healing. He had three blood clots in his lungs. Now, the, the, the blood clots originated someplace else in his body, but they traveled to his lungs, and, and that's why he was in a coma. He had three, and they said he probably won't last the night. Well, I got up the next morning, and was early, around 7 o'clock, and, and went immediately to the hospital to see how he, whether he had made it through the night. And he was sitting up on the edge of his bed, eating breakfast. And I said to him, Mr. Fain, how do you feel? He said, I feel great. I said, really? He said, a strange thing happened to me last night. He said, I saw a light over in the corner of my bedroom. And I heard a voice quoting the 23rd Psalm. And he said, I felt warm all over. And he said, the, other than the 23rd Psalm, the light didn't speak, but he said, I, I felt warm all over. And he said, I woke up this morning and, and I feel great. They took x-rays and all three blood clots had dissolved. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> wow. That is exactly what happened to Lazarus, right? Uh, he would probably say the same thing to you right here, right now. He said, I, I was laying there, it's pretty cold, <laughs> and I heard these words, Lazarus, come out, and I felt warm. And I got up, I woke up, and I had all these grave clothes on me, <laughs> you know, and he stumbled. This account really is an example of what my dad just talked about, of even now faith. And I love what Martha says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. You know, Moses, Moses was backed up against the Red Sea. The entire Egyptian army bearing down on him, there was no way out. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, 100 years old, Sarah, 90. There was no way God could keep his promise of a child, right? Wrong. How about you? I'm going to ask how many of you seated right here have seen God move in a way that can only be described as miraculous? I'm going to ask you, put your hand up. Seriously, how many of you have seen God move in a way that can only be described as miraculous? 
Joel and Cheryl, I'm going to say I read your Facebook post this morning. Ten years married, congratulations. Five years ago, headed to divorce. And yet here you are this morning, more in love than ever before. Even now, faith, church. You're going to get tired of me telling this story out of 2 Chronicles. Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. There are three armies that are bearing down on him all at once. 2 Chronicles 20. He goes to the temple steps. He cries out to God, God, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do. But God, our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah and their wives and kids and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of God comes on one of them, Jehaziel. He stands up and he said, listen, king, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem and y'all today, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because of this vast army, because the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to God. We do not know what to do. But God, our eyes are on you, even now, faith. We're gathered here this morning to worship a God who is far bigger than any problem you face. But I want you to know right now, so when, we must wait on God's timing. Even now, we need to unlock our faith in Christ Jesus and say, Lord, I ask you to move even now, faith, so that it's God's higher purpose. And what is His higher purpose? We see it in verses 14 and 15. So then He told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I'm glad that I wasn't there, so that you may believe, but let us go to Him. I said this for your benefit, verse 42, so that they might believe that you sent me. God's higher purpose is His glory. His glory. There is a reason you're listening to my voice this very moment. Jesus wants you to believe. He wants you to believe. Not just these folks 2,000 years ago, but you right here, right now. There is an upper story reason for everything you are going through right now. God has a higher purpose and there's three things He wants you to know. First of all, Jesus wants you to call out to Him right now. So the sister cry, the sisters sent word to Him, Lord, the one you love is sick. He wants you to cry out to Him right now. Second of all, Jesus wants you to trust Him. Trust Him right now. Trust His word. Trust His truth. Trust His goodness. And Jesus wants you to believe that He is the Son of God. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So our prayer is simply this, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, to which God is replying to you right now. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. Jesus, we come to you right now with our needs, with our problems, with our issues, with our struggles. Lord, it might be for our, ourselves. 
for the things happening in our own lives, relationships that are deteriorating, habits, Lord God, that we just can't seem to, to, to break. Lord God, we struggle with, with emotional anxiety and Lord, we have some physical cancer and, and struggles. Lord, we also struggle for those that we love. God, we pray over those that are sick or, or dealing with, with issues. Lord, we don't know what to do. But God, as King Jehoshaphat cried out, God, our eyes are on you. We trust you. And we thank you, Lord, for this word. This word of Jehaziel that simply said, don't be afraid. Don't get discouraged, for God is with you, and the battle is not yours, it is God's. So Jesus, we trust you right now. We trust you. We call out to you. We need you, and we pray for your deliverance and your help. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.